Welcome to the best idea of all time, the podcast where we watch the movie Carol and talk about the movie Carol every week. It's week 21. 21. And I am Laser. I'm Alice. And we have a special okay. guest today. A- am, I supposed to, am I supposed to jump in? I thought I was being introduced. You asked me how I wanted to be introduced. And then I felt like... This is true. This is true. <laughs> felt like I was expecting. Calling us out already. It's fine. <laughs> I, I, I forget sometimes I have to host the podcast too. Yeah, um, our guest today is um, film appreciator, yeah. Laura Jacobus. Thank you. See, that's that was what we Thanks. prepared, and this is what this is what we agreed on. <laughs> there was a lengthy meeting. It involved a lot of people. But yeah. I could um, do. I, I'm Laura, but like people might be confused. Like, oh, is this a host as well? No, like, no, I'm a right. No, no, that's not what we wanted to ha- listen. <laughs> You've been the secret host this whole time, <laughs> sitting in the, sitting silently in the corner, just sitting there watching, judging. Uh, speaking of which, please tell me your Carol backstory. Oh sure, um, I saw it when it first came out at the Angelica Film Center. I think probably opening weekend. Uh, I say that because I when I rewatched it this time, uh, the the opening starts with like various uh ambient subway noise uh mm-hmm. and it like co- goes out of the uh the street and then then the score starts to go um but the angelica film center is very famously like you go underground and it's like right next to the subway and like throughout watching movies <gasps> like you will constantly hear the the subway rumbling so oh. like we might we might have sat there and not realized that that was part of the movie <laughs> at the beginning. Mm. So I, I yeah, yeah I remembered that. Um, it's very symbolic. The trains totally the trains are a big part of the movie. Sliding doors. I mean, yeah. they are, but also they never really mention it. It's just kind of implied. You're supposed to put it together because mm-hmm. they filmed mm-hmm. in Cincinnati, and so mm-hmm. oh yeah, they didn't actually have a lot of subways to film on or any subways to film. They just filmed people walking out of a door. Mm put a train noise in it's a heavily implied train yeah so um i became familiar with you through um a planet scum show mary Houlihan's painting party and i noticed on your letterbox that you had rated this movie i think it was like three or two and a half stars something around that something well, around there those are very different ratings uh i oh, okay. <laughs> i rated it three and a half stars um oh, okay. okay two is is very low i would say three and a half sure, is sure. No, a no, good no, rating I, I will i will say Everyone else we've interviewed on this podcast has either never seen the movie mm-hmm. or would is probably in the camp of giving it like five plus stars, like as many stars as possible. So mm-hmm. I thought this would be interesting. I think when I was younger, I would have given it five stars in each each subsequent viewing, which this was my third time seeing it. I think this time really clarified what doesn't work about it for me, um, especially since I just read the book, uh, which... Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you finished it last night, you said, well, right? Uh, yeah, yes. a few days ago now. But yes. Amazing. Yes. Let's get into that. Have you all read yeah. the book? I have read the book. Um, Laser read, I think, about half the book. I read about half of it. Yeah. Wow. I, I think it's a great book. I love the book. Mm-hmm. What, why, more than the movie? Wh- yeah, definitely more than the movie. Why didn't you finish it? I, 
I mean, I'm sure I will by the end of the year. They just were sad, and I'm already sad. That's mainly why, but I also have to watch this movie every week. Right. So, <laughs> so you're living it. Yeah. I'm a girl in my life. Yeah. I'm, I, yes. You know what? It's because I'm living it. Yeah. I don't need to read it because I'm living it. Laser's actually living it. You, you, you may not realize, but they are actually living it. I'm actually living right. Carol's life. Um, so what, 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 I, I need to know, like, what, tell me the Carol, Carol <laughs> what are the flaws? Tell me the Carol takes Laura. Yeah. I mean, there's a specific scene where this movie stops working for me. I really like a lot of this okay. movie okay. for the first half. And then I, I'm surprised that you guys, that what I'm about to say isn't obvious, but I think the confrontation okay. with the person who is uh, the the detective, Tommy Tucker, you know, recording them, yeah, yeah, the, with the gun. I think that's a terrible scene. I think that that scene like dramatically mm-hmm. does not work, and Blanchett is doing okay. Um, desperate. I don't know. It's very uncaroled to me. Sure, mm-hmm. and her, you know, just kind of blasely like throwing the gun around and then shooting, and there's no bullets. Is there? Did she? not know that there's no bullets in there it's 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 a really pathetic scene and i think it really doesn't work and uh from that point on i then i i start i start to not be quite as invested in the movie uh and the scene in the book was so uh, i i think was so much more dramatically rich and like talk about what the difference is yeah i haven't read it and maybe maybe some of our yeah uh well first of all the private detective he doesn't interact with them like he does in the movie which mm-hmm. is his, his job right like he shouldn't he should be anonymous like i don't under like there's there's no reason for him to like like he he like goes up to to therese while she's like getting the ice from the ice bucket and like makes himself known and like really like tries to like sell his character. Like he didn't need to do that. Like he's trying to follow them across the country. Uh, in the book, Therese just kind of like, notices she him. just notices him like twice. And then she's and the second time. She's like doubts that she's like, Oh, did I see that guy before? Um, and she doesn't really think I about w- I it. I also say, right. In the book, they also are going to more cities. Right. The trip is longer. They are going further, further west than they make it in the movie. The whole thing in the movie is very condensed in comparison. Totally. To the movie. Yeah. I get dramatically why you want, why you can't just do like a, an unnoticeable guy being noticed a couple times. But yeah. there's this paranoid buildup that happens when like Abby informs Carol that there is a detective following them. And then she kind of Mm -hmm. like, is like, well, it might be this guy. I saw this guy twice. And then they keep being on the lookout for this guy. And then they notice him in a car. Anyways, like the confrontation is like off the side of the road. It's just much better written. Uh, It's, it's this, it's much older. He's like this, like what you would think of as a private eye, like a middle-aged fat guy. Who's like, kind of like getting his rocks off by like separating these two uh, lesbians. Like there's, 
I always, when I watch this movie on Amazon and you pause it and it's Tommy Tucker, his headshot is so dreamy. <laughs> like the actor, he's like, oh, hello, I'm whatever this actor. It, it always cracks me up because he's got this like dreamy vibe. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't seem like a private detective type. But, but correct me if I'm wrong, because you just read it. In the book, the detective doesn't really even have anything on them, or like he claims to not, but it's really the the letter that Therese writes to Yeah. He has Carol recordings. That, 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 that um, Florence, the maid, finds that really gets them that was a big That was a big deal, for sure, in the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He does have recordings that he's already sent, and they kind of say that, like, it's already to New York. Like, it doesn't matter if I sell you these things. Like, the, the damage is already done. And I don't know. There's this, there's this kind of, like, movie logic in the convention that starts yeah. to bother me around there. And then also, like, okay. where, like, like, does Harge want anything to do with her? Does he, does he want her to be, like, a prisoner? Like, it's like, the movie kind of has it both ways. You're not really sure what's going on, right? Like, mm-hmm. they're making her yeah. go to, like, these social functions. And then the big, like, uh, courtroom scene, not courtroom, but, like, the liberation scene is, like, very, like, yeah. I think that's where, like, Neji's, uh playwrightness mm-hmm. comes out and i think it's not yeah. very good and like it, it oh no i love yeah. that scene it's so good i mean it's it, i think the movie is trying less to be it sounds like the book is has like this thriller like suspense vibe mm-hmm. in it that the movie really does not play out it's the movie is just like here is longing and we don't care if it makes sense yeah I, again i i understand a lot of the choices they make, especially in the first half, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Carol and Therese are so much more emotionally intimate, like mm-hmm. kind of off the bat in the book. Mm-hmm. Like uh, they talk about Therese's like inner life and childhood. And there's like this whole mother daughter thing that's going on in the book that they yeah. kind of like throw out yeah. in the movie, um, which you can take or leave. Her getting a glass of milk when she's sleeping at Carol's. Yeah, it's a lot of just like, go to sleep. And Therese's like, yes, mommy. Kind of. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that vibe is a little bit strange, but I guess, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's like different time or just like, okay, it's we're fine with it. Because like, I think you get a little bit of that in the movie too. Like there's a lot of like, Carol being reminded of Rindy and then looking at Therese. Yeah, like, that there's, happens quite there's a bit. remnants of it but like mm-hmm. obviously like uh the actors are pretty aged up you know mm-hmm. uh therese is 19 in the book and like right. carol is like 31 and both of them are yep. play a little bit older um yeah i mean they were they were originally gonna have mia wachowski play the therese role they had they'd asked um rooney mara she turned him down Wachowski was slated and she was younger than Rooney Mara was when they when they when, like she is just younger than Rooney Mara. Yeah. So I think that might have had more of an impact if if that casting had gone through but then that didn't work out and Rooney Mara became available. But also I think in between those I think there was like 3 or 4 years between those two and so like also thinking about like well it would have been Rooney Mara maybe at 25 instead of closer to 30. Sure. Just due to production schedule <laughs> the characters got aged up. It's not yeah. like Rooney bit. Mara looks very old in this movie like no, no, she, exactly. she, yeah. but she no. doesn't play 19 um yeah. right she, which she, is fine i think she i think she's closer to like 22 or 23 right. 
Yeah. Like uh, like in appearance wise, I don't I would not believe that character's 19. And it's a that's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I I wonder how much of this is also Todd Haynes' influence. Like to to Lee's point, the a lot of the Patricia Highsmith novels are thrillers if you think about like especially like The Talented Mr. Ripley, mm-hmm. um Strangers on a Train, and Todd Haynes is not a director I think who's known for doing suspense or thriller. I think I I I also just recently watched Dark Waters, which he also directed because a uh, past guest of the show, Kevin Crowley, who is an actor in both films, mm-hmm. um, were, was in both. And that one is more of a thriller even, but even then it doesn't like hit you over the head with the, with like intense, uh, like tension. And I think safe is probably Todd Haynes's masterpiece. And that is a very disturbing, almost horror movie. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, he could do thriller if he wants to do thriller. Okay. Mm. I do know also there is also one scene with Tommy Tucker from the screenplay that I think was filmed but didn't make it into the final cut where I don't know if it happens before or after the ice bucket mm-hmm. scene, but um, they have a flat tire and he pulls up and helps them change the tire mm-hmm. on their car. That's, yeah, more just him putting his face out there, which again, yeah. <laughs> like, just, like, doesn't make sense for the character. Um I think, okay, if you want to talk about Haynes' influence, uh, well, as far as I know, it, like, Phyllis Neji was, like, friends with Patricia Highsmith for yes. yeah. a long time. And, like, mm-hmm. you've probably talked about this, right? Like, what? A little bit. She, uh, as far as I believe, she had been assigned to write a profile of Patricia Highsmith. Patricia Highsmith took a liking to her. She took her on, like, as, like, a like an apprentice sort of relationship. I, I, I believe yeah. this was later in... Patricia's life, and so they didn't have a lot of time mm. together. But then, when when Neji wrote the screenplay, she knew that Therese was based on Patricia Highsmith at at that age, and so a lot of the original lines that Therese says, especially some of the more like esoteric ones, are are phrased in ways that Patricia Highsmith used to speak. Um, the one that we always talk about is a friend said I should take an interest in people mm-hmm. when she's describing her photography, and like the weird sentence construction of that line. It doesn't sound like this doesn't sound like English is actually the, apparently how Patricia Highsmith spoke in real life. Interesting. Uh, that's another really big, uh, important deviation from the text is her job, right? She wants to be a set designer in yeah. the book. Um, I totally understand. I think it's a great change that they make her a photographer here mm-hmm. because you like you literally get to like see her gaze at Carol. It makes sense. It's cinematic. A lot of gazing. And then also have an apartment full of photos of Carol when her friend right. comes over to paint. Right. I forget which point I'm on. I'm trying to. I'm trying to get the Russian doll <laughs> of all the d- different things I'm, t- I'm talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah. But Todd Haynes. I mean, this is a for hire job, right? That they they bring sure. him in like they've been developing the script. Yeah. I see his influence through his collaborators, through like mm-hmm. Ed Lockman doing the cinematography, through Carter Burwell doing the score, through Sandy Powell doing the costume designer. Like this is his crew, mm-hmm. and they like he gives them a chance to shine, and like obviously they all do incredible work in this movie. Um, also, apparently he he added the like the structural thing of like where you again you're like coming from the subway grates and you're going into person who's uh not important and like interrupting the scene before we know what happens that kind of like wraparound structure that's like directly mm-hmm. lift lifted from brief encounter i don't know if you've all seen that 
I have not. I, I, it's on my list of things I need to watch. One of the greatest movies also ever made. This for a year, yeah. so I'll get there. One of, yeah. yeah, Brief Encounter is is great and does a, the exact same thing. Where like it starts with a scene that you don't. It it seems innocuous and then it becomes like heartbreaking, and I think that's a great addition by by Haynes. Mm-hmm. Obviously, more of his collaborators like Kate Blanchett. They had worked together on the Bob Dylan movie. Yep. But like, you know, his passion for for women's pictures, for melodramas, for gay issues. Um yeah, you know, gay cinema. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel I feel him throughout the movie, but I, I Yeah. I mean I think I, I've said this I said this to other people in conversation, I don't forget if I've said this on the podcast. I think like knowing it was Todd Haynes directing this movie made sense to me in a sense that like I wouldn't i think if it had been a different male director for hire mm-hmm. Like like I don't even know like like a Ron Howard or something. That's like that's kind of a ridiculous example. Yeah. <laughs> but um, like I would I would be really skeptical in the same way that I think like in the past a lot of cinema about women who love women when they when they have male directors they end up with the like you know male gazy sex scenes and stuff. Like I feel like it it, it avoids a lot of those cliches because it has a nuanced director who understands queer cinema. Yeah, you guys think this movie's sexy? Like it should, it should be sexier, right? I mean, it could be. I, it, I don't think that's the point. Of, I mean, it's just a movie about longing and gazing, and I think that's the vibe. right. <laughs> yeah, I will say, I will say, lesbian movies tend to be about longing way more than they actually tend to be about sex. But I also, so one of the things you mentioned when, uh, when we first started talking about having you on the podcast was you said you wanted to talk about two other movies that Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara are in, right? Um, Nightmare Alley and Song to Song, and I I actually just watched Song to Song mm-hmm. the other night, and I'm a little mad because I kind of hated that movie. And then I looked <laughs> up your Letterbox review, and you also seemed to not like that movie. And I was like, Why did she make me watch this? <laughs> well, but, I wanted to talk about the Carol uh, Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I <laughs> sure, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. But but one of the things I one of the things I noticed about Song to Song is there's more sensuality in the first 20 minutes of that movie. Like Rooney Mara gets to be sexy. And and have not just not not so much sex scenes, but like they're kissing, they're making out, they're feeling each other up. It's very, it's very, it's very intense right away, way more than like the entirety of Carol gets to have. And 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 that was that was one thing that that I did notice and 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 is I guess is a frustration, but at the same time, I think comparing it to what I think are other stalwarts of the lesbian cinema genre mm-hmm. at this point, you, it feels like you can't have. I I guess maybe there's a couple examples of where it works, but like. Oftentimes, the ones the, the the films that have more sexuality and, and more and more um, intimacy are the ones that go way too far or are, are, are super male gay. We're we're thinking about blue is the warmest color here. Yeah. Yes, yeah. of course. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was I was thinking. I think I think maybe the handmaiden is the only one that maybe threads the needle. But even that's pretty. Oh sure, but that's so much fun. That's like just pulp. Yeah. And like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Desert Hearts is a very hot movie. It's a female yeah. director. I don't think hot is a bad thing. I think there should be sensuality in movies. Yeah, yeah. like I, yeah, no. I the way that this movie wants to communicate everything through just touches on the shoulders, yeah, eyes. That that's great. It's it's tone. It's definitely toned down from the novel. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a there's a scene, the second sex scene in the movie yes. where I think they're trying to adapt this passage from the novel where uh, they're dealing with the fallout of the private detective and like the, their lives are yep. about to like go to hell. And like they, they they're really stressed out 
they're trying to figure out the logistics of like where they're going and then they like go to bed and it talks about how Therese didn't think that they would have sex but that once their bodies were near each other like that they couldn't it's it's really phrased very beautifully but that they couldn't help it that like there's like they're like magnets that like once you like even beyond that like they they did what they did every night which was like fuck like this was like in the novel it's just like a fuck fest like (laughs) yeah yeah, they're actually having a lot more sex they they don't have sex once and then morality hits them over the head with a hammer i will say i watched this movie while assembling furniture today with um my i'm building a bunch of props for a show that i'm in and um uh morgan who is staying with me said i wish they kissed earlier and more that was her one review mm, also she liked the necklines and everybody's bone structure that's the hot take from morgan first yeah. time watcher once more kissing yeah i i okay so in that second sex scene i don't think they have much chemistry i don't think they're very hot together yeah. and i don't think like no i, I agree with yeah, that. yeah i think the first sex scene I, I think blanchette undoing her robe is good hot yeah, I think that's a yeah. whoever came up with that, they did it well. I but yeah, by the time it's also after like I start to lose faith in this movie, where like sure. it, it's after that detective scene. I don't know, like that second the second time that they're like nestling up against each other. I'm not feeling that like magnet thing that the the book's describing. Mm-hmm. So then I yeah, they're yeah. just gonna seem sad. Yeah, in that scene. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, and then and then and then Therese literally wakes up alone with Abby sitting in the corner smoking, <laughs> which which deep sleeper I, we, we love. Uh, yeah, she's she's a very deep. She's a sleepy sleepy girl. She's very uh-huh. sleepy in this movie. I mean, at the beginning of the movie, her alarm is really fucking loud. The one yeah. that wakes her up. She's just a sleepy sleepy baby. I have two thoughts. One is that I do think that the restrainedness and not having more overt like public displays of affection and stuff are part of the theme of the 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 repression of the the time mm-hmm. that they live in and and the unsure and the unsureness like one of the things that we've talked about on the, on our show is is it feels like carol is pushing herself towards therese in a bunch of times and therese is not reciprocating at all like when she's playing piano and and carol walks behind her and puts her hands on her shoulders mm-hmm. she just kind of continues playing piano she doesn't really do she doesn't really respond when they're in the hotel where they're trying on perfume at the mckinley hotel Carol's like says, "Oh, give me the perfume," and then she puts her face right next to Therese's face, and mm-hmm. then Therese immediately looks away, mm-hmm. and Carol has to make a joke to try to salvage the moment. Yeah. So it feels like Carol is trying to make moves on her, but Therese is not responding. And then and that that was a big di- difference, I think, between the the movie and the novel, where in the novel Therese is like ready to go. She she's she's very it's into an Carol, and, and I think the way that we know that yeah. Patricia Highsmith as a person was very into women, like to to a degree that it it hindered her like ability or social functions at time. Whereas in the movie, Therese is really discovering herself and is is much more naive and learning about like just learning about herself through this. Well, and then they make Therese a virgin in this movie, mm-hmm. yes, which is not in the like in the novel. It's I think much more. You know, you could say like, oh, they're trying to to portray the repression of the time but this the novel was written of the time and i think is much more right, no the, the novel the novel is more much more overt in that regard Frank, yeah. it, 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 she's had sex with richard three times and she didn't like it mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's like yep. that's a big part of like her not mm-hmm. feeling it like but like with 
with yeah. the movie, they're just like, what? Because we haven't gone all the way. And I'm like, and that's, that's one of the differences where I'm like, when you just, when you just finish reading a book and then you watch it and you're like, you're very hyper aware of all the little differences. And you're like, yeah. why did, why oh, did no, they part, change yeah. that? Like, why did, I mean, I think <laughs> if I had to guess, and this is might just be my naive assumption is they were, they were trying to fit it into the expectations for the period as portrayed by like, studio execs and stuff not necessarily yeah truer to life like this seems like this like this seems like the kind of story that i would expect out of the 50s even if it's not actually true to life mm-hmm. there's also also there was a there was a scene where therese gave richard a hand job in the movie that, that they filmed but then got cut also interesting so after they're they're on the streets and like in richard stumbling over himself he, um and then danny mcelroy says hey come to the times with me it cuts to a scene of Richard asleep snoring and Therese sitting at their, her kitchen table with the gloves. Mm-hmm. Um, in between there, there was a scene where she gives him an, an, a very unsexy hand job. And I know, and they filmed it because Rudy Morris talked about like having to like fake the hand job and the prop masters hiding behind her, squirting out fake wow. cum onto, onto her hand. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I get wanting to literalize like the bad sex that she's having, the bad yeah. sex life that she's having. Yeah, but to like take away her sexual past completely i mean really take away her entire past like yeah Yeah. she has no identity in this film yeah right but they but they put more of a spotlight on the carol character like all of the scenes where she's talking to her lawyer and the Mm -hmm. and the custody like none of that's in the book really i think to the book's benefit i think it benefits from like being hyper focused on the therese character and like carol being more of like a mystery I mean, you get these plot points through letters and through conversations that obviously it's more dramatic to see them play out. But yeah, I do think that when it cuts to stuff that's outside of Therese's point of view, it is kind of like losing the drive of the story, which is Therese's. How do you think the like erasing Therese's like sexual history and stuff? How do you think that affects the film? It feels like you were talking about that a little bit. Again, like it, it, it also the mother daughter stuff like yeah. like Therese is an orphan in the movie or sorry in the book uh, oh, Therese is like has no yep. mother like was like raised by a nun who had like a big like I don't know it makes it more unspecific it makes it more general it makes mm-hmm. it like you you say like the expectations of the time I would say it makes it more cliched I, yeah, I mean, when I talk about this movie to people, I say it's a movie about falling in love with Kate Blanchett, which I think mm-hmm. it is. And I don't think that's what the book is. I think the book is yeah. about like a person and their own complicated identity. It's about Patricia Highsmith coming to terms with being a lesbian and uh-huh. stuff like that. And this movie is, yeah. especially the first few times you watch it, it's just about care, right? You know, mm-hmm. and like you don't see Therese at first, yeah, which is a very different story than what the book is, yeah. Yeah, I I think they're both good stories, but I think sure. that they are very different. If if anything, it's not even trying to adapt the book as it was because it makes all these deviations. Yeah, it's trying to tell this specific story about about a woman in Carol and not mm. not centering Therese as much as the book does. See what yeah. I always remembered about the like publicity tour of like you know like when this movie was coming out, like again the whole like Phyllis mm-hmm. Nagy knowing Highsmith was that like she was like. Like this book meant a lot to people for, for decades. Yeah, you know this is, and that she was trying to be, to like have fidelity to the source material. Like like that they that this was a passion project for her. Um, yeah. 
so any any changes it's in service of adapting this material that obviously means a lot to her and means a lot to a lot of people yeah um i don't think they fund i don't think the ways that they fundamentally change the story and the story's point of view is like her new take on it it's just like these things that happen in adapting that yeah Yeah, i was gonna say because i know that she wrote the screenplay i think in the late 90s Mm -hmm. and it didn't start it didn't get close to production until 2010s and then it actually went into production in 2014 so she was obvious i know and i know that she had she taken a lot of meetings where people would say like oh you need to make one of these characters male or both (laughs) that's so ridiculous you need to make (laughs) you need to make carol a man and then we can make this movie so like Maybe maybe a lot of these adjustments were just tweaks over time, and she got further and further away from it just because that's what it took to get the movie made in the system right. that it is. Eventually. I wonder if it's just like, we cast Kate Blanchett, so let's make her role bigger kind of thing. Well, she's, I was about to say, she's perfect for the role, as written from the yes. book. Like, the uh-huh. sophistication, this kind of like... The, the book is describing Kate Blanchett. Like, and, like it's... Yeah, effortless, effortless, effortless charm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's great in it. I think it's one of her best roles. Again, I think, yeah, the scenes that I don't like, you know, it, I don't, I don't blame Blanchett <laughs> for, <laughs> for, so yeah, nice the material that she's given, yeah. uh, which is kind of, yeah, I find a little hokey. Okay. Yeah. Again, the yeah, the fair. the the firing, her firing the gun at the blank. I just, I hate it. I hate that moment so much. Hmm. Um. The thing that bothers me about that scene is that he puts on his pants right. because he like puts on a shirt and then he takes his pants off to tuck in his other shirt. And I'm like, Tommy, you're having a hard time. You're you're acting a big yeah. game, but you're like falling apart a little bit. His reputation rests on his efficiency. It's that includes personal. like getting out, getting out to the post office to drop off the tapes in his mm-hmm. underwear. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm worried about his pants, but that's yeah. you know that's me and pants. Mm-hmm. You know. Um. Let's let's talk about. The other two movies in the Carol Cinematic Universe. Though. Right. Um, I already already yelled at you for, for making me watch Song to Song. I, I, I said I, I was texting Laser as I was watching this on Friday, and it was, I hate this movie. What is this movie about? Did you not watch it? No. So it's about a man who is Gross. a songwriter, and he played by, uh, what's his face, Ryan mm-hmm. Gosling. And he meets this woman, played by, play, played by Rooney Mara, and they're in love, and then they're not in love, and then she sleeps with someone else, or she sleeps with his boss, or his record label exec, and then there's a middle section where she gets seduced by a French lesbian, I like that part. Then the record exec gets gets married to Natalie Portman, who's playing a Texas waitress, what the and then... <laughs> Likey Lee shows up. Yeah. Likey <laughs> Lee's just in it, like, randomly. She's like, there's, there's all of these shots where they, like, filmed, I guess, like, at, like, Austin City Limits or a music festival in mm-hmm. Austin, where, okay. where, where, like, they're just standing right off to the side of the stage, and sometimes Rooney Mara's standing on stage holding a guitar, I guess, to imply that she's playing in these bands. She it, plays with Patty. There, there isn't a lot of, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There isn't a lot of narrative through line. It's all sort of implied by the dialogue of okay. the scenes, and there's a lot of just, like, cuts to random stuff in mm-hmm. it. Um, like, so... It's a collage. Trying to piece this together was kind of hard, it's... and I also just kind of felt like I was felt frustrated because it felt like Rooney Mara's character has is the one who gets yelled at for cheating and for doing all this stuff, and Ryan Gosling just kind of it's like Ryan Gosling stands there and Rooney Mara sort of twirls around around him, and then then it goes to another scene where they're having sex, and then it goes to another scene where he's standing still and she's like twirling around again. I don't know. What's your take, Laura? Yeah, I mean it's a bad movie. Um... 
it's <laughs> I, I I think the three of these movies in I I think it's interesting to like that Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara are in like the club, right? Like yeah. they work with important directors. So of course yep. it's like such a small club. Like, like yeah. Hollywood has such a small memory. Like you just, there's like 20 actors. And then if you're like a yeah. big name director, you're only allowed to work with these like 20 actors. So like, of mm-hmm. course, like they show up in the same movie every once in a while, you know? So yeah. we got Todd Haynes, you got Terrence Malick, you got Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. So this is song to songs, their second collaboration after. But actually it was filmed first. Right. Right. Because it, it was filmed in 2012 and, and then was on a sh- that was in editing because Malik had like an eight hour cut he wanted to release or some shit. Oh. And then I'm sure he didn't want to release it. I'm sure he was. That's just like wh- like it's done in this montage style, which yeah. would be compelling if you had a sense that the scenes were interesting. Instead, they're just like, (laughs) (laughs) there's... Yeah, no, exactly. It's these acting exercises. And I think uh, a lot of the actors fare a lot better than Mara and Gosling, who are kind of like these like Adam and Eve kind of blank slate roles. Like, Fassbender is playing this like devil and that's kind of fun. You know, he's like, you you know, Portman has like Holly Hunter to bounce off of. Um, What else? What else goes on? I don't I I, I don't know. Like Val Kilmer has a chainsaw, you know, like you you have these uh, these like sex workers like come in and they like and and Patty Smith like you have these people like monologue about like love and loss and like they feel real. And then you have these scenes yeah. of Gosling and Mara, and there's no there there. I think it's like I think no. you could say that there's it's the characters being so thinly drawn, but I also think that like that it exposes how bad how like little star presence these two stars actually have, and like 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 hmm. Malik is asking you to bring so much to the scenes because. Kate Blanchett yeah. is like this like middle-aged like she she she's an older woman who and she shows up Gosling falls in love with her yeah Holly Hunter Gosling's mom says you're not you're not right for my boy Holly Hunter plays Portman's she... mom I'm not sure oh, oh no sorry that's yeah yeah I think Kate Blanchett is good in those it's very attractive as that kind of like sure. middle-aged <laughs> I think we can all agree that Kate Blanchett is usually very attractive. yeah yeah, yeah she's I I yeah I like her in in song to song when she shows up she's uh she brings depth she brings age she brings like she's Kate Blanchett yeah Mara I haven't liked Mara since Carol I think she's well cast well I think oh sorry go ahead laser please no I was gonna say Laura what's the take on Nightmare Alley I I think both Blanchett and Mara are bad in Nightmare Alley yeah, I don't. I don't like the material that they, that that was written there either. Though I yeah. don't know. I kind of. I kind of didn't. I like the movie was fun, but I didn't really like it. Yeah, was my takeaway. It's fine. And also, I was mad because everyone, the internet, got excited because there was that like shot of them filming with the two of them on a, on the street wearing like winter coats, and it's like, oh, and it's Carol too. And then that scene wasn't even in the movie, and like in the movie, the two characters never even mm. meet. They they sh- they're in one scene together. But they're, oh, yeah, they? yeah, uh, but 
it's during a show where you know Rooney Mara is like the assistant to Bradley Cooper. Oh, oh, right, 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 right. They but don't interact. It, it's not like they have like dialogue because like the 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 filming shot was both of them standing on the uh, standing like next to each other, to, like as if they're mm-hmm. talking, wearing winter gotcha. coats, and that didn't make it in the movie. It was probably just their smoke break. It was probably oh, just yeah. like, yeah, uh, Nightmare Alley is pretty boring. Uh, yeah. Guillermo del Toro kind of doing uh, like a, a, a two telegraphed film noir thing. And I think Blanchette is just like really fucking obvious the whole time as a femme fatale. Yeah. Like really just. Yeah, she, no, she's it's super late on. Yeah. Thick. And Mara is. Like barely there. Right. And she's just like an innocent little girl. And if you watch the like, if you watch the original Nightmare Alley from like 1947, I don't know. I think the actress who has her part like has so much more life and vivaciousness to her. And I, I've really fallen off the Mara train. I I think, I think uh, Social Network and the girl with the dragon tattoo is really promising. And I think, I think she's well cast in Carol as like this kind of like odd girl. Right, like, like, yeah, I, I, special girl. I think it works in Carol because she's playing such a, such a afraid and 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 like someone who's learning and falling in love with a woman for mm-hmm. the first time that 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 works. But like, as as I've said on this podcast before, like, like Mara looks like she's she always looks like a frightened bird, and mm-hmm. and she kind of seems to only be able to do that. Yeah, it was after Carol that I learned that she's an heiress, and yes. She the, comes from the, the Mara family, and she yeah. changed her pronunciation. Kate Mara is her sister. She changed her pronunciation of her last name to Mara. Like, that's her, like, showbiz thing. Like, that kind of, like, that's yeah. insane. <laughs> okay, but, okay. <laughs> to be, like, but I'm I, have, I, have another, I have another theory. She, she is married to the Joker. Maybe that's just too right. scary to live yeah. with. She had the Joker's mm-hmm. baby. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we've all been there. Um, what is, what do you want to see them do? What, what Carol cinematic universe entry would you like? Uh, I think I'm done with, <laughs> with You're good? I think I'm good. Yeah. yeah it's not the, uh, um, you don't want like a far future Jupiter ascending. Oh, sure. Yeah. Why not? Like, Carol? again, it's a very yeah. small pool. You know, you would mm-hmm. think that Rooney Mara would be out of the club by now. I think, you know, like. <laughs> I think the fact that she's in Nightmare Alley she, like proves that like she's still in the club. Mm-hmm. But she's had like a pretty fallow period where like she was yeah. like Tiger Lily and that Peter Pan movie and then like just oh. these movies that don't exist. Apparently she's has an Irish accent in one and she plays Mary Magdalene in another. Like these seems like she's making poor career choices, but I think the fact that like she's still on the call sheet for like Guillermo del Toro coming off of an Oscar, like getting to put whoever he wants in his movies that Rooney Mara still gets the call. She's still in the good graces. Sure. So, but I think wasn't that, that movie was filmed a few years ago and then the pandemic sure. delayed it. So if anything, maybe, maybe, maybe we're not going to, maybe we won't see the, the knock on effects of that until now, like going forward. Well, you know, Luca Guadagnino was apparently about to start shooting a Brideshed revisited, uh, mini series that had both, Blanchett and Mara cast in it. There was going to be a fourth, oh, but I don't um, think that's happening anymore. Interesting. So it's just it's just proof that it it seems inevitable that they will just yeah. continue like anytime like uh-huh. you know fucking Adam McKay will like do like a 
22 yeah. star movie. Like they're, they're going to show up and it's just like, it's, it's fun. It's fun for us. Right. We say, right. Oh, that's Carol. Oh, it's Carol three, yeah. Carol four. It's like, it's like <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper, right? They, right? they just show up in the same movie all the time. Yeah. I don't, I don't particularly need to see them together again because, again, I don't think they had that much chemistry <laughs> like in this movie. Uh, I think they both do a good job as their types, but I don't think the I, I don't feel a, a big explosion between the two. Yeah. So I I'm totally fair. Yeah. What are your favorite queer movies, Laura? Well, I mentioned Desert Hearts. That's a that's a great mm-hmm. one. Yeah. What's your pitch for Desert Hearts if we haven't seen it? It's. And it's made from the in the eighties. It takes place in the fifties, like Carol. It also mm-hmm. has a happy ending, like Carol. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nice and sexy and sunny. It takes place in Arizona. Oh, that's nice. It's not so cold. It's not so cold. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's a great time. It's it was hard to find for a long time, right? Because I have the Criterion Blu-ray here, but I think before this, mm. it was like unavailable out of print. I want to say checks out. Yeah. 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 What else? I, off the top of my head, I'm not coming up with with much. But um, okay. you know, I'm a big fan of calling things gay that aren't gay. You know. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah you the, know. The, what is your the favorite gay movie that is gay to you? Yeah, Babe, Pig in the City, Babe. Sure. Yeah. You know, like yeah, yeah, that's a gay little pig. If I ever heard, if I ever seen one. Sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that movie horrifying? Like it's all about death and stuff. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. That's very gay. Babe. Yeah, he's a he's a good guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice little man. Um <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I don't know. Like we could throw we could throw it out there. Like what 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 are the what are the landmark LGBT movies of the last I mean But I'm a cheerleader is often cited. Fun fun sets in that. Yep. Oh yeah. Um Debs. Carol, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Mm-hmm. I think what else? What else? Like recently, Babe, Babe Pig in the City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. the favorite Ammonite. Uh huh. Yeah, not my favorite movies ever, but yeah. you know. Sure. I mean, I mean, I think that's part of why maybe I'm grading this on a curve because I think like Ammonite is they have even less chemistry than than Blanchett and, and Mara do. Mm-hmm. And. Like another one that came out around this time was Disobedience, and that movie was so dry, except for the sex scene, which was very sexy. Mm. But it's like it's like one drop of water in the middle of a desert. Yeah, I didn't I didn't bother with that one. I hated I hated a fantastic woman so much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Bride of Frankenstein. That's a great gay movie. <laughs> you know, more about like you know feelings, gay feelings. Than, sure. than uh, explicitly gay romance. Yeah. yeah. So, Laura, you hosted, you for a very long time hosted a podcast about, about movies mm-hmm. called Oh, Beau Sorry. That's what I was going to mention. Beau It's a It's one okay. of the best movies ever made, and it's very gay. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry. So, so, you hosted a podcast for a very long time about, about cinema, mm-hmm. Only the Best for Laura Jacobus. That went on for multiple years. We are in this project where we're watching the same movie mm-hmm. every week for a year. Do you have any advice for long-running film podcasts, how to keep it fresh? Well, mine was that you we watched a new movie every week. <laughs> so um, that, that I mean, inevitably yeah. kept it fresh. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I guess you could slow it down, chop it up, screwed, chopped and screwed, mm-hmm. Carol chopped and screwed. I have thought about that. Yeah. yeah. Figure out, figure out the ways. Carol Bennett podcast. Is it fresh for you guys still? Yeah, I love this movie. Yeah, it's a, I love yeah. it. I, the last two weeks have not been, but I think if I sat down and wasn't looking at my phone or doing something else during the movie, yeah, I could get back into it, but... So are you just you're not really watching it at this point? I mean, I I, I I am watching it. The problem is that because I know every scene and every line of dialogue now from memory, mm-hmm. it's hard to feel surprised by anything anymore. Sure. Mm-hmm. Even more so than I think like, you know, you watch a movie, you watch a movie a second time, you're not going to be surprised by the same things like the twist or whatever. But like when I know every line to the timings, it's it's it it is definitely turning a corner for me, and I'm not sure what that means. Oh no, yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah, focus on focus on different things. Focus on the camera work. Yeah. Fo- focus on you know. It seems like you love the costumes. You got the hat. Focus on the background extra who blows a little kiss to Kate Blanchett. Oh my god, the background extras! I've been seeing so many of them. I watched this movie with a person who hadn't seen it before for the first time this week. Um, and well, I guess it wasn't the first time, but, and, and it, it was like nerve wracking. It was like showing somebody a movie I made. I was right. like, why aren't you watching this part? This is a good part. Like you're not seeing the lady who tells them that she's not a clock. Like this is really important. Please everybody look, they're about to do this. T-. Like it was like, it was kind of stressful, which Maybe that's just where I am. Yeah, it's it's very intimate because it is so part of your identity at this point. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it is. It is showing. Yeah, (laughs) they are judging you by judging the movie. Yeah, Yeah, and they should, including including you right now. (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. I I can accept the judgment. I'm a big boy. We also this week started planning. We're gonna go. We've been talking about going on a road trip. For the podcast in the fall, that's so cool. We're gonna we're gonna drive from New York to Chicago with a long stop in Cincinnati where they filmed the movie. Um, we booked out I booked out all the hotels and the rental car and everything, so that's definitely gonna happen. Amazing. Well, we're we're gonna try to organize some meetups if if anyone is listening and wants to meet up with us in New York, Philadelphia, Cleveland, Cincinnati, or Chicago. Also, while I was doing research on the filming locations, I discovered that the house that they filmed. They filmed the Carol's mansion that they filmed in. Uh-huh. I had mentioned on the podcast before that it was sold a few years ago. It has been torn down. No. And wow. I, read an, I read an article that said it was torn down, but I had to pay money to get more info and I wasn't sure. And on Google Maps, it's still there. But then I loaded up Google Earth and I'll show this to, to you two. Oh, no. They have torn that house down and are building another one. That's sad. No respect for yeah, history. So, yeah. That's so, so sad. Carol's house That's is no the more. the house that Carol's loveless marriage died in. Don't they appreciate that? <laughs> oh, Harge. Harge S. Aird. What a man Harge with a Marge. real name. <laughs> yeah, for years, yeah, my ex-partner and I would talk about Harge and Rindy and all these, these <laughs> delightful names. And yeah, like, getting, yeah, getting to, like, read the book and, like, find and out. Rindy- Rindy's full name, which is like I forget what it is, like Verinda or something like that. It's like what yeah, they're like it's like explained, like yeah, I know it's a weird name. Well, here it is, and you're just like, huh, 
<laughs> I believe it's I believe it's Narinda, yeah. And she's been Narinda. But yeah, our, our our favorite thing is that in the in the scene where Carol's forced to have dinner with Harge and his parents, they say Marge is showing up with Rindy, and so we we suspect that their their siblings are named Harge and Marge. Harge and Marge. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, again, mm-hmm. don't know what's going on there. I should have I should get cat. Like do they not want her to see her? Or do they, you know, I there's these questions that I yeah. don't think it's I don't think the movie has a has a logic to it at that point. It's all about the notes you don't play in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. questions you don't answer <laughs> and the furniture in the background of the shots. Yes. So I know that I know that some of the dialogue you're not a fan of. Is there is there a line from the movie that you that you really like? Well, it it comes from the book about it's the the flung from space thing. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a beautiful thing that they wisely kept. Um, what can you quote it to me, please? With the odd, flung what an odd, um, yeah, well, odd girls. Flung what out a of strange space. girl you are. Yeah, flung out of space. That's dreamy. And then also when they're having sex, my angel, my mm-hmm. angel, flung out of space. Mm-hmm. It's a good. That's good. Um, I think the movie I want to say ends on a high note. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's interpreting the prose. Um, yeah, it's which has that. It it does exactly that. Like she goes, she mm-hmm. turns, she sees Carol. Carol smiles. Like that's where the book ends. And it it's it wasn't isn't the last line of the book something like like Therese walks forward or Therese yeah. approaches Carol. Yeah, it's nice. It's really it's a great ending to the book, and the movie yeah. does it justice by like really like. Yep. Burwell's going fucking nuts. Uh, mm-hmm. Lockman is is the doing. Music ha- is so good. Yeah. In this movie. yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Lockman's doing handheld camera work for the first time in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. You're getting to, you know, it's off. You're feeling more immediate. You're walking with her, um, and then that that cut to black is so. Um, I love that shot. I watched it so many times. My favorite thing about that is that there are an unrealistic number of people walking back and forth in that restaurant. <laughs> right. Like for some reason, everybody is being seated and standing up and getting food and it's all in slow motion. So that had to be happening like constant. Like yeah. for some reason, as soon as Therese arrives, everybody in the restaurant gets up and moves tables. Like it, it's, it's like feeling like it's like New York city street, but they're like trying to replicate yes. that kind of like feeling <laughs> just in a restaurant. Like it's, it's busy, it's busy. And these two, they see each other that works. Don't like Carrie Brownstein. <laughs> oh, very distracting. Yeah. Very distracting appearance, yeah. we've, which we've talked about at length, but yes, we think she's a time traveler. Yeah. She, she shows up. She looks like a time traveler and, yeah, it's confusing. It's and again, confusing. to be book girl. Sorry to be annoying book girl, but yeah, <laughs> Listen, that <laughs> book girl. Somebody's got to be book. Yeah, but like that role is like filled out. Oh God, I hate that. Richards at that party. These these things. Yep. These like yeah. I. It in, it it's it's too movie convenient yes. in in the movie. Yes. Like, um. The the there is there was a cut there was another cut scene that they did film where. Genevieve does invite Therese back to the second party, which is in the book, and then, and then she, in the in the movie she goes and she goes to Genevieve's apartment. She's standing on the street, looking up out the window, and she's seeing Genevieve make out with another woman through the window. Mm. And then she turns around and leaves. And so you can see in the movie, it cuts from the party to a shot of her like looking up out on the street and then turning around. And so, but they cut the scene of 
her seeing Genevieve kissing another woman and, and, and her getting asked to the party. It's so uninteresting in the movie. Like, it's just yeah. like, why is she not like, oh, Carrie Brownstein hits on you and then you're just kind of like, ah, oh, whatever. I like Carol. Yeah. And like in the book, I don't know. There's like, it's another high femme person who hits on her. Like it's another mm-hmm. kind of like, it's, it's an actress in the play that she's working on. Who's mm-hmm. like kind of a star. And like, I think kind of like, if you want to talk about like, the period at the time, you know, like just kind of hinting at this secret gay world that like is yeah. is happening, like that's not super obvious. Where like the movie's like, here's a gay, here's a queer person that you know, looking like they just got off from Portlandia. From, from Slater Kenny, you know. Yeah. <laughs> You're familiar. Yeah, 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 notoriously straight band, Slater Kenny. <laughs> and she's like in the book, she kind of like it seems like she wants it more, but then, then this there's this obviously this is all interior, and it's just like oh well, I knew that it wouldn't like be anything of substance. Like there's some there's some mm-hmm. thing about her that like reads as shallow in the moment where she likes she's like mm-hmm. no, I love Carol, I miss Carol. Where this is yeah, just like yeah, FM kill <laughs> FMK Carrie Brownstein, Kate Blanchett, and I don't know Sarah Paulson, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right where they're just like ah if if this is what gay new york is like i just have to make out with carrie brownstein i better go back to care like it's just such a weird note <laughs> such a weird yeah. beat yeah. that doesn't really make any dramatic sense yeah i don't like the second half of the movie that much but still it's a good movie you know what good <laughs> I, that, you're entitled to your opinion and i am so thankful that you came to talk to us about it laura yeah we really appreciate mm-hmm. it but i could have equally gone on passionate about how much i like the first half but that you know i mean you guys have I will, talked I will at say, length about it we've yeah. co- we've covered that pretty well i think this was a this was a much more illuminating discussion yeah, for us absolutely. well like yeah. give us new things to think about next time we're watching it which is something we desperately need <laughs> yes um laura is there anything you'd like to I don't know, promote, talk about. Oh, sure. I have a fundraiser for my breast augmentation. You, yes. you go to a- I was so excited because our guest last week was Kate Leth and they just had a breast reduction top surgery. Yeah. And, and so so breast for some, no breast for others. Absolutely. Right. And we do it all here. Breasts around on this podcast. That's great. It's beautiful. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's called Laura's Boobs, bigger, larger, and unsmall. Uh <laughs> If you could <laughs> please put a link to it in a description or yeah, oh, that'd absolutely. be great. Yep. Absolutely. We'll find that. Yeah. I imagine it's on your Twitter or something like that and we'll go find it and grab it. If I had a Twitter for sure, oh, but I'm yeah, sure. in my Instagram. No, no, I yep. got, I got off Twitter for my mental health. It was very, very Mark. good. Mark. Yeah. Excellent. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm stuck two years. <laughs> um, Okay, perfect. Um, can we do Flung Out of Space, Alice? Or are we, have we done that already? We've, we have already done Flung Out of Space. I did send you a GIF I made of Richard saying nice. I love it when Richard says nice. It's so, that scene is so great. The scene where they're fighting and it's a wonner and it's like in the apartment and Richard, yeah, you made me buy boat ticket scene. But the, but the he just says nice. Um, and it's a really, it's a good reaction gift to everything. So yeah, should we, yes. should we end on that? Yeah, let's end on that. Um, so as we always say to end the episode, nice. 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 Thank you, Laura. Thank you for having me. Living for you is easy living.
There's nothing in life but you. The Best Idea of All Time is hosted by Laser and Alice. Our theme song is Easy Living, as performed by Flower Links. Find more information about them in our show notes. The show is edited and produced by me, Alice. And if you'd like to find more information about our show or how to contact us, go to bestidea.gay. We also have merch available at alice.deals slash bestidea. Once again, that's alice.deals slash bestidea. Please tell your friends about this show, especially if you are friends with Kate Mara, who apparently didn't change the pronunciation of her last name, and I like her for that. <laughs>